don't know about you, but I think we've got two good candidates for quarterback for the Denver Broncos. So, good morning, church. For those of you who are in person and those of you who are online, we want to welcome you. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, we did this uh, wear your football uh, uh, sports uh, memorabilia as a way to figure out who needs prayer, because everybody out there that has Patriots on needs prayer. Um, I will have you know that I have a Colts tie on today. For the, uh, Many of you may not know that the general offices of the Christian Church for North America are, is in Indianapolis. The way I figure it, the Mormons have Brigham Young, the Catholics have Notre Dame, and Christians have the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> it is hard for me to see uh, a Denver Broncos jersey with the name Manning on the back of it, but uh, only some of you will probably get that. But anyway, um, we want to uh, especially uh, uh, thank uh, our team and uh, all the folks who plan today. Um, I appreciate uh, the, the fun and frivolity of this day. Uh, it is uh, Super Bowl Sunday for the world, and it's a wonderful way for us to, to engage and uh, speak to people who otherwise may think uh, that church doesn't have anything to say to them. But it is also the house of the Lord today, and I'm grateful to be here in the house of the Lord. Uh, and I'm grateful for the opportunity each Sunday to stand behind this holy desk and to share with you God's word. And in the midst of uh, all of the fun that you may have planned for the day, and I have, my family has some fun planned as well, uh, I pray that we would turn now our hearts and minds to God's Word from Isaiah chapter 43. As we continue in our series, The Chosen, You Are Made New, today is our emphasis. You are made new. Isaiah, if you have your phones, your Bibles, your tablets, or however you read God's Word, beginning in verse 11 of chapter 43 of Isaiah. I... I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, for I am God. <clears throat> also henceforth, I am He. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? Here brings the reading of God's holy and perfect word. May he add his blessings and his understanding to it. As the lights die down, I pray that you direct your attention to the screens. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 Rabbi you can't Please. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. 
If you're uh, using the study guide as we go through this series, and uh, you read this week uh, the lesson in the study guide, the first sentence in that study guide for session six is, sometimes it's easier to come to Jesus than it is to stay with Jesus. And that sentence has haunted me all week long. We all probably understand that, don't we? I mean, after all, it's part of who we are as human beings. It's, it's easier to get married than it is to stay married, isn't it? Well, it seems like maybe it's easier to fall in love than it is to stay in love. We're learning a lot about that, I think, in the reconnected classes that are on Sunday afternoons and Wednesday evening. But every single one of us, if we're honest with each other today, and more importantly, if we're honest with ourselves, we have found ourselves in moments in our life where we had nowhere else to turn. And if we're thinking back on those moments right now in your life, you're probably thinking about a crisis that occurred in your life, a time of fear, a time of uncertainty about what the future would bring when you were facing a particular moment in your life. Those who study these sorts of things particularly around ways in which we educate people, will say that it's in those moments of crisis where we are able to have the best transformations. Those are the best moments of education. As a matter of fact, there are some who uh, uh, doggedly declare that the only way, the only way for adults to learn is in moments of crisis. Otherwise, whatever needs to happen to our minds as happens with our children's minds, doesn't happen for us unless we have a moment of crisis. And if we think about that, we probably all would say, well, we intuitively understand that. That makes sense to us. Because we've all experienced it. And because we've all seen it in the lives of those who are closest to us. It's a lesson that we probably would do well to remember when we're praying for folks in a time of crisis. Haven't you done that? When somebody comes to you and is, an, is facing a life, life transformational situation and they say, will you pray for me? And what are they asking for? And probably most of those cases, they're asking that that crisis would go away, that that fear would go away. There's probably some folks in this room or joining us online who have a child who's dealing with alcoholism. And you're praying every single day that your child will be able to be victorious against that alcoholism. There are folks here and probably in this room who are, or or joining us online, who are struggling with a cold and indifference in your marriage. We all know folks who won't change their lifestyles, and we know that they're headed straight long into chronic health issues. And we pray for them. We pray for change, we pray for strength, we pray that the problem will go away. And some of us might do better based on what we have seen in Scripture and what we know intuitively, but don't like to say out loud, maybe what we need to be praying for is for them to go ahead and go through that crisis. For the alcoholic to hit rock bottom. For people's lives to utterly and completely collapse. I know y'all think I'm a horrible person now, don't you? 
But you ask any person who's been released from prison, and they will tell you that it was in those first moments of their incarceration that God got a hold of them. It's not that we're praying for our child to hit the bottom of the bottle or for our marriages to suffer the pain of infidelity or for those closest to us to suffer heart attacks, but we human beings are a stubborn lot. I know that surprises a lot of you because you're not stubborn at all, are you? But the testimonies that we hear from people Some of the testimonies that we've heard from folks right here in this church lend credence to my point as hard as it is to say and as hard as it is to hear. When did you hit rock bottom? When was the moment you lost utter control of your life? For me... It was when we lost our first daughter. In the moments after, the doctor said, there's no heartbeat. When she was stillborn, I left my wife in the room. What an idiot. What a jerk husband I was. And I went to a stairwell just down the hallway, and I called my parents, sobbing, uncontrollably now in retrospect as I think back about that conversation I recall the helplessness of my father as he didn't know what to say to me I could sense the utter agony of my mother who wanted nothing more than to take her little baby boy me and hold her hold hold me in her arms And they couldn't do anything. There wasn't anything that they could do to take away the pain. Even Shauna and I, who weathered the grief together, really we couldn't console each other. We just sat there in silence, in the emptiness of the moment. But it did change my life. Some for the good because I don't take life for granted anymore. And some, well, for the worse, maybe. Because Shauna and I were never, ever able to enjoy a pregnancy again. And the following four children that God gave us were quite literally nine months of terror. Because we were terrified that those little babies wouldn't take their first breath. But it also taught us to surrender. You've heard me say that before, and you probably could say, well, he says that a lot because that's such a part of my spirituality now because of that crisis. I simply had to surrender. Sean and I had fallen into the deepest pit we had ever experienced. But it was also the same place that we experienced redemption. Isaiah begins this chapter in chapter 43 with the words of Adonai. But thus says the Lord, 
He who formed you, O Jacob. He who created you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And in those verses through which God is speaking to us today, Isaiah records these words. I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? In your study guide, remember that first sentence? Sometimes it's easier to come to God than it is to stay with God. Or as I once heard it, in our world it's cool to search for God, but it's uncool to find him. I'll have to admit, as I struggled with that line, I, I, I really, it doesn't sit well with me. Maybe not for the reasons you would think, and I don't mean to make any of you angry necessarily, but I don't believe that any of us ever come to Jesus. He comes to us. You see, we don't find God because I don't really think that any of us are really searching for God. God finds us. Now, now, before you think I'm a horrible person, that really stands in the line of the Protestant Reformation. Now, we may be searching for relief from our pain. We may be searching for a different kind of circumstance. But Scripture, I believe, testifies, and the church over the last 500 years specifically, and I would even argue before that, says that many of us are in constant and complete rebellion. We all want some level of control in our lives. We all want some level of control in our relationships, right? We want to control our marriages. We want to control our kids. We want to control things at work. It's another reason we have the Reconnected class on Sunday afternoons and Wednesdays. It's why... Did you know that the most popular genre of books are in areas of self-improvement, particularly marriage and raising kids? Think about your desire for your control at work. 23% of those working right now in the United States of America will this year likely quit their jobs because of a sense of lack of control. According to Barner Research, the percentage doubles in the church. We should be the folks that at least are in some way aware that we're not in control. For pastors, particularly pastors under the age of 45, are you ready? It is projected that 46% of them will resign their pulpits this year. And the vast majority of them are expected to resign from ministry completely. I don't know about you, but I think about the prophet Jonah. I've talked to Pastor Joe about this. 
Pastor Joe and I haven't figured out how to run from a call yet. What about you? Where are you today? What is the control that you want in your life? What are you searching for? We were introduced to the leper, an unnamed man today who had hit bottom. Now this clip that is from today's episode that we're focusing on actually comes from Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 40 and going through verse 45. Let me read that to you. And a leper came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out (laughs) and he began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter." Now, now Mark doesn't give us any other aspects or uh, background or context. But we do know a couple of things about people who suffered from leprosy in this sort of situation. You probably remember this from Sunday school, and if you do, just kind of sit patiently as we talk about it. Leprosy was first reported in the human annals of history as early as 600 B.C. in countries like China, India, and Egypt. Now, the disease that most of us think about with leprosy today, or Hansen's disease, is a very specific kind of disease. In the ancient world, leprosy would have been any kind of skin disease. It's mentioned about 68 times in the Bible, both in the Old and the New Testaments. And it was, inarguably, viewed as a consequence of sin. It was a slow and painful death where the body literally decays, disfiguring faces, causing the loss of fingers and toes and ears and other appendages, opening, allowing wounds and infection and bacteria to run rampant through the body. And throughout most of ancient history, as I've already said, if you had acne, it would have been viewed as leprosy. If you had psoriasis, it would have been viewed as leprosy, and you would have been forced to live outside of your community. No contact with your parents, no contact with your children, no contact with your friends. You might be able to find other lepers in which you would become a community which would only cause the disease to spread even more. It was quite frankly, a death sentence. Imagine you being forced out of everything through which you find meaning. No family, no friends, no way to earn a living, no way to feed yourself. I wonder what this leper was thinking. 
Well, we don't really know what the leper was thinking. But I suspect that he knew his Bible, particularly because learning the Hebrew Scriptures was such a significant part in the raising of every young Hebrew child. He would have known what the rabbis taught. He would have known what the Pharisees taught. He would have thought to himself, is it my sin that has caused this? Our modern ears like to think so. Or some modern ears might dismiss the whole idea of sin altogether. But this man in this scripture on this video would not have dismissed it. He would have been forced to evaluate his life. It's the only thing he would have known. Now, the only difference is, is he would have known his Bible, like I already said. So he would have probably already had Exodus chapter 20 committed to memory. Y'all know what Exodus chapter 20 is. That's the Ten Commandments. And he would have been able to quote verses 4 through 6 just as well as any of us could quote anything in our modern society. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Are you ready? Here it is. This is what would have haunted him. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Well, now, on a first reading, that seems really hard. It seems really harsh to punish somebody who isn't personally guilty of the sin. But if you and I think about it, for those of us who have been formed and, 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 and discipled in Scripture, we understand that sin isn't just something we do or that we don't do that our actions impact others, that the sins of the fathers have a negative impact on the children. In the book of Common Prayer, there's a prayer of confession for sin that begins, are you ready? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. Now, wait a minute. Sin is also the things we haven't done? According to Scripture, when we ignore the poor, we sin. Dismissed and failed to declare that the gift of children is an inconvenience? That's sin. When we have stood silent, as others have told jokes that dehumanize those of a different race, forgetting that we are all made in the image of God, that's sin. Failing to give comfort and encouragement to a family fleeing war and persecution after they risk their lives to support and resource our sons and daughters who found themselves in harm's way, sin i also like the lutheran prayer of confession just so you know 
Lutherans do everything to the nth degree. I mean, you think you felt bad with the Book of Common Prayer, you wait till the Lutherans get a hold of you. Here's what it says in their prayer book. I have lived as if God did not matter and as if I mattered most. Mm. It goes on. I have not let his love have its way with me. And so my love for others has failed. Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. Uh, but what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Uh, uh. Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. See, if you leave here thinking that this story is just a story of Jesus healing somebody from a physical issue, you've missed the point today. You see, this leper comes to Jesus not to just have his body healed, but, be he, but because he's been struggling with his knowledge of Scripture, and because he's been struggling with the state of sin, and because he understands the connection between the brokenness of our creation, between war, between violence, between abuse and the state of sin, he knows that he must be redeemed. That he must be redeemed from the state of sin that plagues the world. He knows that his sin, that the sin of the world, is the real disease. And yes, for those of you who want to push back on me, this leper does come looking for Jesus. 
Jesus doesn't come looking for him. But consider this. It sounds hard, and it sounds callous, but wrestle with it. His leprosy was a gift. His disease was the light that helped him find his way. It was the gaping holes in his body that allowed him to look into the depths of his heart. And it was only then that he was able to see the real culprit. That he doesn't just need things fixed in his life. He doesn't need things just fixed. He needs to be made new. And by grace, through faith in Christ alone, the leper says, you can make me clean. And Christ cleans you and me in the waters of baptism. He lowers us in a watery grave and raises us and makes us new. Through his death, he bursts through the gates of hell and reclaims us, redeems us, and frees us. Before we recall that final scripture, let me be very clear. To come to Jesus today and simply to say to him, I've got this problem in my life, will you please fix it? Misses the power of what Jesus does. To come to Jesus and say to him, I've got this sin in my life, I've got this issue in my life that I can't seem to conquer, if you would just fix it, everything would be okay. You are limiting what God wants to do with you. But if this day you are willing to come to him and to say to him, everything in my life is nothing but filthy rags. The good as well as the bad. Make me new. If you come to him today saying, I'm willing to surrender everything in my life. Man, that's hard. And it's something we have to do every day. Lord, I surrender my children to you. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And listen, in my flesh, I can't do that. And I don't expect you to do it either. But only in the spirit that God births in us can we begin to grasp and get a glimpse of what it means to be made new. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. If today 
you have made that decision to surrender to him. Listen, I had an old deacon once say to me, you don't need to chase after God. You just need to stop running so God can catch you. And the beauty of being embraced by Jesus, giving you a new tunic, making you a new person. At the end of our service, elders will be up here. I pray that you'll come and pray with them and let them know that you've made that decision today. If you're joining us online, that you'll click that button and share with us a way to contact you so that we can walk with you as you begin this new life made new in Jesus.